I hope my words will encourage you today to trust him, to step out of your comfort zone, to take action to serve him. The adventure of sacrifice for the kingdom is just awesome. Please bear with me a little. You know, I've preached a couple of times, but most in countries where English is not spoken. It's possible I might pause and turn around and wait for the translator. (laughs) But don't worry, I refocus quickly. So please pray with me. Yes, Jesus, we do thank you for today. We thank you for making another day to rejoice in. Lord, I thank you for all my friends and family that are here today to help celebrate what you have accomplished with sunlight power through the efforts of many. Thank you for your guidance over the years, for the success of 100 installations plus. May my words encourage those who need encouragement to challenge those that need challenging. And may the light of your love be spread to far more places in the next 10 years. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. On Easter Sunday, we learned that when Jesus gave up his spirit, darkness covered the land. That happened because the presence of God left. No more presence of God. There can't be light because God is the light. The vision of sunlight power is to use solar power to take both spiritual and physical light into dark countries, dark places. Often people way off the electrical grid have lost hope in both God and man. Frequently they do not even believe we are coming until we show up. We heard you were coming, more than one village leader has said over the years. But we didn't believe you because we've heard promises before. Over the years, the Sunlight Power team always shows up. I would like to give you a little background now on how trust and action brought all this about. I grew up knowing I had to think out of the box to accomplish things other people took for granted. At age five, an orthopedic doctor fitted me with a leg brace. He said, you might not ever walk without that brace. Well, that lasted a few months, at least until I found out that you couldn't play kickball in the playground with a brace on. My dad once said the hardest thing he ever did was tie a shoe with one hand so he could teach me to do that. I learned a lot quicker than he did. (laughs) Well, he was mad, too. (laughs) I never did think I was handicapped. My left hand doesn't work just as good as my right one. I'm always grateful I had one good hand. Many who have the same problem that I do don't have one good hand. But by the time I hit my late 20s, or not even the late 20s, early 20s, I had so much experience thinking outside of the box, I figured there was nothing I couldn't overcome. And, of course, that became the root of my hardest sin to overcome, 
pride. I am very grateful that the Lord has a lot of patience. And he has shared a little bit of it with me. <laughs> I was one of those persons that scoff at the Bible. That think that thought it was out of date for today. I have used I used arguments. <clears throat> I used to argue with my sister Lynn about the validity of the Bible. When I look back at that, I realized it was probably a good thing. It got my sister to pray in for me. So when I moved to Cincinnati, made an impression upon Ann, what happened? All of a sudden, I have two women praying for me. (laughs) When that happens, God comes after you. It's only a matter of time, even for someone as prideful and stubborn as I was. Now, if you talk to the SLP board of directors and Ann, maybe they'll tell you that the verb use was is incorrect. <laughs> but I never do anything halfway. So when I fully understood the personal relationship with Jesus idea, my whole life attitude changed. I trusted God. I trusted God even with the hard questions, and I had plenty of those. One of my questions was about family. As I had no children, God was silent, which I have learned over the years sometimes mean that I don't have a need to know. When I married Ann, her children were all grown and out of the house, which is a good thing. It was a good thing because I had no parenting skills, (laughs) and I didn't want to learn at that age. Being a worthy husband to Anne was going to be challenging enough. And I knew that respect had to be earned as I was an step, adult stepchild myself. But something changed my perspective. A 12-year-old girl, Anne's oldest granddaughter, Jessica, called me Grandpa. The change in my spirit was immediate and seismic. Until then, I had not comprehended the unconditional love that comes between a parent and a child. Grandpa. I was a grandpa. I I felt like dancing all night on that one. A friend who was helping me prepare for today, reminding me that when I got choked up about talking about Jessica, is the same way I got choked up when talking about the kids in forgotten villages in Honduras. So I kept on trusting, taking action, steps, even though I couldn't see always where they were leading, even when it entailed sacrifice. That is where the Isaiah scripture comes in. That's all right. We've heard it before, (laughs) earlier. This was the uh, first Old Testament passage that excited me. It encouraged me long before I thought about solar power. But it is interesting that the word light shows up. This passage tells us what to do, when to do it, and what happens when we obey. 
Now, we often think of fasting as not eating, but it's not always that. It can be anything, but it does mean sacrifice. There is always something to be sacrificed, a lesser good or a greater good. Brennan Manning, a, uh, a confidant of Rich Mullins and a mentor, says, Of what avail is our life of prayer, our study of scripture and spirituality, if we do not trust the insights we have received? And trust means acting on a trust. Which brings us to insights received from Luke 6, 9. Luke 6, passage, uh, verses 6 through 9. On another Sabbath, he entered a synagogue and was teaching, and a man there was whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so they might find reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Stand up there. The man stood. Jesus said to them, I ask you, he looked all around and he said, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was restored. This is one of those times the nuances of the original language really help with the meaning. The key point is in verse 9. I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? Basically, what Jesus is saying here is when presented with the opportunity to do good and the means by which to do it, If you do not choose the good, you are by default choosing evil. I had studied the scripture because I used the passage when speaking at an Operation Rescue Valley because I thought it was a great pro-life scripture. Save life or to destroy it. I was astonished at the actual deeper meaning Along with Isaiah 58 and other scriptures, it became a key strand for what became sunlight power. Other strands that God has woven together, many of you know about, installing solar power at our camp at Amakanata and the mission trips while at Regent University, China, India, Myanmar, China again, a bunch of can't even remember them all. As I neared graduation at Regent, I was thinking I was going to be a mission pastor somewhere. But Anne, she kept saying solar power is going to be a part of my mission. Well, I couldn't figure it out, you know. So I thought maybe we'd do solar power at Amakanata in the summer and do mission trips in the winter or something like that. So I attended the mission convention here at College Hill at 2000. I asked Dr. Heck, the head of shoulder to shoulder if he needed solar power in Honduras. I said, Dr. Heck, my wife keeps telling me solar power is going to be my ministry. Do you need solar power in Honduras? Heck, who is uh, mild-mannered as you can get, said, 
You know solar power? You need to come with me to Honduras. So I said, okay. <laughs> you will hear more of the story after we hear a short video and a few SLPers who are probably sitting next to you about their trust and obedience. And the heart of the uh, Honduran people uh, is is uh, is something to be treasured. Sunlight Power has a great time and is blessed in many ways um, by the children. Who we, who we are empowered by Christ to bless. Hi, I'm Bill Scheid from Cincinnati. This is my wife, Colleen. And uh, we have been pleased to join Alan and his Sunlight Power Group on a mission trip this week in Honduras. I wanted us to do a trip as a family where we would be doing something in Jesus' name together. So what's great is all of my family got to participate here in, again, a very practical way of demonstrating God's love to people that they've never met before. And so we're just grateful to be able to be a part of God's work in the world through Sunlight Power. It's easy to get caught up in the solar power thing. It's easy to say we're, we're coming, we're, we're bringing light to a village. Uh, it's amazing, it's awesome, but you know, you get there, you see the kids, you see the families, and quickly you realize it's not about solar power. It's about bringing the good news. It's about loving on these people with the love of Jesus. The thing is not the thing. I love that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to Honduras with... Uh, the um, Cincinnati medical team. And if, uh, if technology allows us, <laughs> it's probably my fault. Did I, was I supposed to tell you? <laughs> Dr. Tony Meth, Neff was my assistant, and we repaired a medical clinic in Santa Ana. The nurse there was very excited to have her system working again, but she wasn't very comfortable with standing between two sweaty guys. <laughs> Tim and Fee Day Gaynor, Bob and Susan Fall, the leaders of the CHPC Honduras team, had to be a little crazy, but they believed in solar and taking light into darkness. So we went to two churches, installed two churches the next year, La Maruma and Santiago and more medical clinics, working with some turkeys. Sometimes you have to work with turkeys, but we don't always know who the turkeys are. <laughs> Mark and Jennifer Fay chaired the mission committee at CHPC that encouraged us to start a 501c3 and gave us some money to get it started. Tom Warren, a good friend and art teacher, took all my crazy ideas about a logo and came up with this. Jim Miller was an original board member. His mentorship and support mean a lot to me. Peter Dreyer on the roof at the church at Lama Waruma. I probably didn't pronounce that right yet. <laughs> Asking for one more nut and bolt. I said there are no more nut and bolts, but we did a search of the tool bag and discovered that God indeed does count the nuts and the bolts. <laughs> there was one more. 
Andrea Bustella was translating for me at a school. We were telling the kids, which we always do, why we came. Her voice caught at the same time I did, and the kids noticed. From then on, we knew we needed translators that had the same spiritual perception that we did. Lucy Guchero asked me to come to Kenya to install solar in her orphanage. That was our first African install. An amazing time with 100 plus kids. Working with Naum at the first of 25 schools in Intibaka, that was a very big request at the time. Even I did not know if we could get all those done. <clears throat> Bob Henderson on the roof with his wife trying to wire a panel in the rain. Stephen Dreyer on another roof teaching his girlfriend how to use a drill. Robin Rico finding a kindergarten building with only one door and window. Coming to me, he said, Alan, we have to do something. And rearranging parts and plans so we could accomplish another install. And the resulting light. The uh, picture doesn't do justice. It was the difference between light and darkness. The beauty of the countryside in Honduras, Ethiopia, Haiti, Ecuador, Kenya, and others, but especially Honduras, and especially the kids. My favorite there with the bloom. The orphanage in Mexico finding that they made a roof at 45 degrees instead of 15 degrees. Uh, for a three-kilowatt array. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to think about going on a 45-degree roof. But then we discovered that another team working there at the orphanage were actually roofers. I still think they were angels. They said they were from Ohio, but I've never seen them. <laughs> One of our sermons earlier in February was titled, Pride Comes Before the Fall. That title was a vivid remember of Otto's fall through the roof at the school at San Jose de Las Vegas. God's mercy was definitely evident there as Pamela Hansen, an MD and good friend, was with us on that trip. She took over and got Otto to a medical clinic and enough morphine to stand the six-hour ride to the hospital. Pamela corrected me after the first service and said it was an eight-hour ride to the hospital. Lance was there that evening when I was asking God if it was worth it. And I was thinking it wasn't. Because it was my pride that caused the fall, or at least that allowed Otto to be on the roof. Lance pointed out to me John's questioning of Jesus in Luke 7 and convinced me the mission was important. And of course, any trip that Lance and his boys, and Mark and Luke Fay were on, especially, well, actually, any of them. <laughs> and uh, turning on the power at a school, her kids at Heart Industry sponsored. That man at Espino who said, thank you for taking the machete out of my daughter's hand. Maylin and her family and the SLP Honduran headquarters. Now that's obedience, I tell you. <laughs> Putting up with us all those times. 
the first sunlight power dinner or maybe the second. I still measure every steak I eat against that one. <laughs> James Gray and Val on their first sunlight power mission trip and all of the videos since then. Great photos, great videos. Uh, the four-minute one you saw is, of course, by James Gray. Bill Pineson and Jake Kittenbrink on the same mission trip. Pist Phil and Pastor Caesar, what a pair. Add Saudi in there and you've got big trouble. Well, you've got big everything. <laughs> Kevin, uh, no. Jim, Kathy, and I waiting on a mule <laughs> halfway up that mountain. Jim, didn't, Jim couldn't go any further. <laughs> Jim couldn't go any further, and I didn't want to. <laughs> and many other mule rides since, including the five-hour one in Ecuador with Carol Lucia. You can see how grateful she is. Kevin wearing a Santa Claus hat on a mule. Leaving my hat with the kid at La Quisera when we couldn't finish the install there because of the equipment got stuck in customs. And going back a few months later to finish the install. All the mud. Bart Sauer and his entire family co covered with mud. Can you, can you comprehend that? <laughs> the, the, the Snyders were there too. We, uh, we, we hardly got out of that place. There was a torrential downpour. Bob Wade on a mule too. <laughs> Another trip. The first lady's visit. A ride with Mauricio. That was to go to the hospital to pick Otto up. First time I was with Mauricio. Andrea drilling the mayor's hand. Leo fixing an inverter. Angels in the rafters. You'll have to ask me later on that one. Terry and Haiti on a motorcycle. Great teams. I could go on forever. Maybe I should write a book. I'll leave you with this thought. In the beginning, I really knew very little. I had only done one solar power system, taken one class, read a few magazines. Manning writes about trust, a ruthless trust in God. The only thing I did was trust him. I apprehended the vision, and I took action on it. God was with us every step. He had to be. Here we are today. Am I retiring? No. Kevin Session is the new executive director, but his job is the part that I wasn't very good at anyway. I get to build the systems, plan the trips, take the trips. I'll finish with another quote from Manny. Uncontaminated trust in the revelation of Jesus allows us to breathe more freely to dance more joyfully, which we might get to do here shortly, and to sing more gratefully about the gift of salvation. 